You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Sprantling and cousin of the pod, Chris Torino. We have an interesting show for you guys today. We go back to our traditional style, stock up, stock down, heard it on the sideline. We also have some questions to answer. We got some take it or leave it from Chrissy T. As a reminder, look out for a tweet from Shotgun Sprantling, usually on Tuesdays when we record. You can put your last-minute questions in. You can also email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone who did that today. We have a couple emails to read. Ooh, Keely, check the email. I did. Look at that. So, like I said, guys, it was an interesting weekend. Interesting week. It was just interesting all around. That's my word of the pod, and it was just interesting. I mean, it continues to be that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just ever since the season began and the up and downs already, and this has been a very peak and valley season already through four, four weeks. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what this weekend holds when USC goes on the road again to Colorado, and, you know, hopefully they can respond similar to the way they did last time when going on the road, you know, finding a way to to win at Washington State, and then maybe they can continue that instead of, you know, falling back into that valley uh, afterwards. So we'll see. It's been very interesting. It is very true because a lot of stuff going on during the week. Always something. Trying to figure out, kind of getting used to Dante Williams, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of getting a feel of you know, what information he's going to give, what his information that he does give means. Uh, so... You know, it's a, a little bit of an exploratory period for us as well as we try to figure out, you know, what exactly Dante Williams is saying when he says things. Yeah, it's kind of a transition period for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So still going through that. All right, let's go straight into stock up. Chris Trevino. Ugh. <laughs> Again. I warned you. <laughs> I did, she did warn not. you. She saying that. No. On air, but she did not. I, I did. There was a warning. Come on, Chris. Oh, shotgun's sticking up for me. Look at that. Stocko, Chris, who you got? Keontae Ingram. Yes, I had him as well. He shook his head no. <laughs> are you mad that other people have him, or are you just mad that you're being I don't like when people try to for... jump on mine. <laughs> Sorry. Just in general. When I claim it, it's done. It's yours. Oh, oh a okay. flag. I put a flag in Keontae Ingram. I did not have Keontae Ingram. I re- re- there it that. is. Read it and weep. Yeah, I just think Keontae Ingram was one of the limited bright spots for USC's offense on Saturday. He ran really, really well. I feel like every run he had was, you know, a good run most of the time. I mean, Shotgun has the in-detail rewatch notes, so he can tell you that more in detail. But obviously it was clear they were going to ride number 28 early in this game. I don't think Vavai had a touch a run until like his 11th carry or something like that. So they were going with number 28 heavy and, you know, he finished with over a hundred total yards from scrimmage two touchdowns made, uh, made a bad play into a good play with that fumble in the red zone that he turned into a nine yard touchdown. So count to Ingram stock up. I've got a couple of questions about Ingram though. Well, uh, just, a, you know, surrounding him, not him in, in specifically, but Dante Williams said that, 
you know, on Sunday night when we talked to him, he said, well, you know, he got more touches, more carries, but he and Vivai had basically the same amount of, of plays, which is not true at all. You know, he had 20 more plays than Vi did uh, in that game. And Ingram also, after the game, said that that fumble that he picked up, you talked to him and he said, hey, it was, a, it was supposed to be a play action. And then, but you watch the replay, everyone is blocking. So it's not a play action. So like, why, like, is there confusion on your part that you don't know that it was supposed to be a run or are you just lying about it? Like it didn't make as much sense rewatching it because all the wide receivers are blocking anything. So it's not like there was, you know, it was some, uh, a play action design on that play. So I was confused by that comment too. Uh, so like, what is going on around this program? Why are people just, just tell the truth. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, but Ingram definitely was one of the bright spots. He ran really hard and, USC's offensive line created some opportunities for him. You know, especially early in the game, Colorado was playing a lot of six-man boxes, and USC was taking advantage of that, and they were able to run the ball really well, and they created some space for Keontae Ingram. And then he was making guys miss as well on that touchdown run. He makes two defenders miss. He makes he puts one guy on skates. You know, as he's about to go into the end zone, and then a great flex on, on the touchdown run. That first touchdown run, uh, you know, got some good photos of that right in front of a couple of the photographers. So. Um, you know, I, I thought he was really good there, and he caught the ball of the backfield well. The one area where he needs to improve, and he needs to improve with a quickness, is his pass blocking. You know, they didn't keep him in a lot, and that's one of the things is you want him to be that complete back so you don't have to take him out and put Vi in on third downs and kind of show that, hey, we're going to throw the ball um, and we're going to keep a running back in. He graded out with a absolutely terrible grade on pass blocking. Now, he's only in for, I think, seven snaps. But, you know, there were a couple of, I think at least one of them was a sack. Another one was a a pressure uh, and would have been a sack if there wasn't a penalty, I believe it was. So, you know, there were a couple times where he's just got to do a better job. He's got to step up and that's just being a complete running back. He did all the offensive things you want him to, but the the things that are kind of hidden from the box score are the things that he's got to get better as well. Sounds like you burned a pretty good hurt it. Talking about the play action. Not play action. <laughs> I've got other stuff, Chris. Come on. He always is prepared. I had stuck up on Michael Trigg in the sense that he got more involved in this game. I thought it was nice to see um, just having a more athletic tight end option out there. Um, so it was nice to see USC uh, use him more. We have heard that it was maybe a playbook issue, you know, coming in as a true freshman, still has to learn that playbook. So it sounds like he's at least getting more of the hang of it now that we're seeing more of him. So at least stock up on that front yeah he played a career high snaps and he did it basically in three quarters because he got banged up um, and had a little bit of a knee injury um, and you know he told me he'd be okay after the game so we'll see where he is this week but definitely getting him incorporated is huge because he's such a dynamic weapon you saw him in that two minute drill at the very end you know he, he drew a pass interference on that deep throw over the middle he's an option on the deep throw he creates space when he's in the slot beside Drake London, because when he takes a post route, he's taking that safety with him. There were a couple times where Drake London ended up getting one-on-one coverage because of Michael Triggs' routes running over the middle. And I think he's just more of a threat than some of the other tight ends. So the, the safeties are more willing to stay in the middle of the field rather than you know hedge a little bit towards Drake London. So he, he adds that different dyna- dynamic there. And he had a couple catches on that uh, drive as well. So, you know, it's good to see him getting involved in another playmaker. 
can he continue to one learn the playbook and be able to you know do all the different plays that they're looking for uh, and can he eventually become an inline tight end and be able to block in the run game as well you know he was in for you know 25 or so snaps and not many of those were runs you know pretty much when he was in it was going to be passed so you know if other teams are looking at that they're going to say okay eight's coming in it's going to be a pass you know, can you continue to develop as a player so that your game widens and you know teams can't just immediately pick out and, and know that it's going to be a, a run versus a pass just because you're in the game? Speaking of inline blocking, did want to say he had that great block out on the edge um, mm-hmm, to spring that run. That was like a good moment. Like you saw like, oh, that guy's blocking the crap out of that dude. Like that's that's a great play by the freshman. And I think that shows his athleticism too. That's one of the things is one, it, it's want to when you're blocking out on the edge like that but also the athleticism that he has a little bit more than some of the other tight ends because that was a nickelback. And, you know, nickelbacks can be shifty. And, you know, we've seen guys like Jalen Smith or Greg Johnson go around block attempts from wide receivers from the opposition. And I thought it was really good job by him because that's a veteran nickelback too uh, with Grant on, on the other side. He's I think he's the captain of their de- defense as well. So, you know, I, I think it was a great moment to show what he's capable of. And again, that's the potential that's there. And that's a guy that you're going to be looking at. Can he continue to progress as the season goes along? And maybe he just takes over the starting role completely by the end of the season, if he can do that you know, and continue to build on that as well. Well, Shotgun, you've had a lot of talking time, but you <laughs> but actually no official no official stock up. So. I, I will say I had both those guys on my stock up okay, as well. Okay. Um, and, and one guy that's a, another young guy that is making plays, Jalen Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that we love watching in high school and love watching in the Snoop documentary, the Snoop League documentary, because he's a playmaker. And, you know, he, you know, J-Rock at the time in, in the Snoop League, and he was smaller than everyone else, but they loved him because of his toughness and because he would go make plays even when no one else was. And that's what he continues to do. He had his first sack last week at Washington State, gets his first career interception in this game. He's been on special teams. I talked to him a little bit after the game. He said being on special teams really helped him kind of get adjusted to the speed of the game, and that's helped him when he's gone in on defense the last couple weeks. And he's getting a couple more opportunities. He got some opportunities last week against Washington State because they had seven DBs on, but you know he would sub in for Greg Johnson for a couple of drives. He got one or two drives this game as well uh, in the second half going into you know when they started putting a lot of subs in. But getting some extra opportunities and making the most of them, that's what you are looking for out of freshmen, guys that take advantage of their opportunities. Just so twitchy. Twitchy. Yeah, that's exactly it. So twitchy. And that's you saw that on that sack last week. You know, he's coming up and tight end tries to come over. He just gives a little head fake. He's gone and and gets to the sack. And that's that's the danger with those nickelbacks when when they blitz or when they're out and you know when you're trying to block them out in coverage is oh they'll put a little shake on you and they're able to get by. And that's why that that trig block was so impressive as well. I only have one more stock up. One, because... Well, it was a blowout, so it, there's not it a ton of suck-ups. Yeah, it wasn't great in that sense, and also because I think we're overlapping a lot. I had stock up on fan apathy. You know, you thought that there would be kind of a, a boost in fans paying attention after the Washington State game. USC turns it around. Looks like Dante Williams can provide a spark. Looks like Jackson Dart can provide a spark. Yet, Jackson Dart has to go under surgery on Tuesday. Has to get that meniscus tear fixed. And then USC just comes out and lays an egg again at home in a historic loss. And I just think people, fans, realize, you know, this is not really the year. Which, I have a stock neutral. Can I go to it right now? 
whatever. Sock Neutral Nation shouts to the nation. They represent in the Twitter mentions. I try to find them and favorite them, so thank you all. Um, I had Stock Neutral for this team because it's so odd because I was about to say, I think fans know that this season is kind of a wash. But the thing is, USC hasn't even played a Pac-12 South team yet. Like, they, they still have, forgive me, they control their own destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is staring me down right now. He looks so disappointed. Forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. As someone who could lose a talking point real quick, you're just going off the rails. Here. I'm sorry, but I am. <laughs> um, they still could end up in the Pac-12 championship. They haven't played a game in the South yet. But what we've seen against Stanford and what we've seen against uh, Oregon State can you predict what this team will do or what they will look like come the end of the season? I don't think so. And, I mean, can you keep the locker room together when you have losses like this? I don't know. And we've heard from Dante Williams, younger guys might start getting more playing time. Does that increase tension among teammates? I don't know. So that's why I had stock neutral because this team still has the opportunity to end up in the Pac-12 championship. But can they given everything around them right now? I don't know how that would be neutral with the, because they with have the, the mm. potential, but it doesn't look great, so it's neutral. It's, that's been the same. A thing positive for and a, a negative while. equals a neutral. Unchanged. That's neutral. the same. Qu- quick aside: What is the census on stock neutral nation? Like, could they fit in a small oh, Starbucks no. bathroom? No. Is it like a is it like a two bedroom <laughs> apartment in New York? It's a it's uh, a nation, Chris. We out well, there. They will represent. They come out and they represent. You're, you're dodging the question. What is your guesstimate on the on the census I of don't, the population of this nation? It's not a nation like China. It's a nation like uh, Liechtenstein or something. Liechtenstein? Yeah. Where Jacob's from. Exactly. <laughs> you're talking about like Lithuania? Look at her. Dodging the question again. Just answer the question. I. You can't put a number on a movement, Chris. I can't put the... The number on a population? No, on a movement. It's a movement, Chris. Now it's a movement. Now it's the yeah. Stock. It's stock neutral nation. You don't know that Liechtenstein's a country? Wow. No, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. A very small do you, country. Do you in say Europe. it like that? Liechtenstein or Liechtenstein? I'm not sure. It's okay, I thought of the player first. I apologize to the country. Watch more history. Okay, I will look at more history. Yes. <laughs> Can I just do my final one? Yes. Right now? Do your final stock up, please. <laughs> I have. Drake London's All-American campaign. Mm -hmm. Just probably the biggest bright spot that the offense still has and consistently has is Mr. Drake London. I mean, he is leading the nation in just about every receiving category. That's the FBS. He's leading in receptions, yardage, catches per game, yards per game, and he has the most plays of 10-plus yards. 10-plus receiving yards. And he's tied with someone, Jalen Cropper of Fresno State, who has a whole game more than him, and he's still tied with him at 39. So he's one of eight, re- one of eight, rece- one of eight receivers in the country with at least 30 receptions so far at this point of the season. So, And I, I can tell you he's not 100%. He is battling yeah, through some stuff, and he's not. still beasting like he is. So, yeah, it's just so impressive. Yeah, his numbers, is what he's on pace for right now, is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I doubt he keeps up that pace because it's a very difficult pace, especially with as much wear and tear as he's taking so far. Uh, he's also leading the nation in contested catches. I think he's leading the nation in targets, which is part of it. He is leading the nation in drops as well. So that's something he needs to clean up. You know, there's a couple of just easy ones where, you know, you get the ball thrown to you 16 times, or I think it's 13 times a game right now is what he's been targeted. That you know, you take your you know your attention off one of them, and you know that's the one that bounces off your hand. So 
Got to clean that up a little bit, but everything else, he's been phenomenal. He's just been absolutely a, a stud on the outside. And that was a big question. Well, what's it going to look like with Drake London on the outside? Well, look at the back shoulder. He and Keaton Slovis, that back shoulder throw is just on point right now. And that's that's where you go, why is USC not the same with their other receivers? Because you got receivers that are breaking when Keaton Slovis is throwing it straight down the, down the field on a seam. Um, so that that's a big issue still with the rest of the the receiving group I think you know the tight ends and the wide receivers just they're not on the same page at all the time so you're dipping into stock down mister oh okay <laughs> well he brought up Drake London I want to bring up another receiver as well Gary Bryant Jr you know he only had I think five catches for 22 yards but he he's the talisman of the offense when he's going the offense is at its its peak um, and, and I think that they can do different things with him. The screenplay that they did, did to get him that touchdown, that's the type of stuff that they need to incorporate. But they need to stretch the field with him. You know, If he has five catches, one of them needs to be a 15, 20-yarder. needs to be something down the field uh, and use him in that way as well. But I think when he's going, I think it's when the offense is at his best because he's that true number two option right now for USC. And they haven't got him you know, completely going. They're showing some different things with him, getting him involved. But if they can get that vertical game, get him one vertical pass reception each game, then I think that opens up things as well. Gary Bryant Jr. is an object typically an inscribed ring or stone <laughs> that is thought to have magic powers and bring good luck. Absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you're referring to the second definition, which is a person regarded as representing and inspiring a particular group. Both of them. Wow. Chris and I looked at each other after you said that, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Really? Yeah, just this just shows how much how much gooder Shotgun <laughs> is at using words. Well, than yeah, I, I think he, he just like, proved that. Gary Bryant, good football helper. <laughs> Shotgun, yeah, he's a talisman <laughs> of this offense and really helps punctuate everything. Yeah, see, I can't yeah, do it. Yep. Gary exactly. Bryant, gooder. Let's just move on to batter. <laughs> Let's go to stock batter right now. I, I got one more. Oh, uh, oh. Stock of course, up. of course. Uh, of course, you do. Is USC facing drop eight? You know, that's a big concern coming in. How are they going to do with that? How does Keaton Slovis read the defenses? You know, can the offensive line block long enough? You know, if they're facing three rushers, is there, are they going to be able to get pressure? And I think USC is answering that question uh, uh, pretty well in the Stanford game and Oregon State game as far as being able to run against short boxes, against, you know, against six guys in the box, and Keaton Slovis being patient enough to find holes in the zone I mean, there was the one play that was third down and like four. He throws it to Drake London. There ends up being a penalty on the opposite side. He held the ball for over nine seconds. And he the progression was, was a right-to-left progression. He goes right-to-left. He goes left back to right. And then he comes back right-to-left and rolls to his left and then finds Drake London. He actually completed the pass to Drake London past the first down marker. London's momentum carries him across. Um, but... You know, there's things there where I think the offense is doing better in certain situations. And that was one of them. There was a big question mark coming in, but they got to be willing to run the ball more. And I think that was one of the issues in the second half of that game is they went away from the run. They felt like they were behind. We got to catch up. We got to pass the ball. When they were running the ball and being a little bit more balanced, the offense was was clicking a little bit better. I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Alrighty, now it's time for stock batter, <laughs> Chris. Who do you got? Don't make that a thing. Okay. <laughs> Shaka's going to have to help me out with this one because he is the PFF master but PFF's defensive line grades people made a bunch of hoopla that USC's defensive line was rated one of the five best per PFF going to this game and then 
obviously on Saturday, it was not they did not cover themselves in glory with the with the amount of run yards that they gave up, and that was a whole defensive effort. But but just they could not stop anyone up front. So that just absolutely I'm assuming cut down on that grade, and a lot of people use that as like see PFFF. <laughs> PFF, PFF, <laughs> sorry, PFF grades are another hit to PFF grades. Well, I think that you know they didn't play well this game. I don't think the entire defense, the linebackers didn't play well, filling the holes and stuff there as well. So that, but the reason why that grade was high is because of Drake Jackson and Tuli Tupelotu. Those two guys had been USC's two top-rated defenders the last two weeks, um, and you know they were getting pass rush. Even when they had three down linemen, you know, Thule and, and Drake Jackson, you know, were, were able to create some defensive plays, defensive stops. So you're not playing a ton of guys. Jacob Lichtenstein had been a guy that had graded out pretty well the first couple games, and Stanley Taufu had done okay, you know. So you didn't have any anchors on that. And that's part of the reason why is that you had two, your two main guys that are in there outside of Drake Jackson and Thule Tupelotu are grading out good to okay and you know those two guys are grading out really well and that's why the the overall grade what was up there even though they weren't getting the sacks they're still getting some pressures and they're you know stopping the run really well they didn't stop the run at all this game and yeah definitely the defense line grade went down the entire defensive grade went down because they couldn't stop Oregon State at all so you know I think that run defense is what I had on stock down it was they couldn't get off blocks they didn't have the answer. Todd Orlando, after the game, said he tried a lot of different things, and he did. There were a lot of different formations. A lot of different bodies were thrown at it. They just couldn't find an answer. And the biggest thing is they weren't winning the one-on-one battles. They were getting beat. The offensive linemen from Oregon State just won you know, way more than USC's defensive uh, linemen did, and that created big holes and gashes, and B.J. Baylor was, was, was a boss in the game. In that sense, I had stuck down on Orlando. Um, I've been a big fan of Orlando coming in. I thought that he, you know, was able to unify the defense and had a, a, a strategy, a scheme. But this was the first time, especially when rewatching, it just looked like they had no answers. They were not prepared. It just did not look good for USC. And, and Shaka, you got to talk to him after the game, but it just, it didn't look good for Orlando. And I thought people were pretty harsh on Orlando after the game, but I, I, I did think that this was the first game where I was like, whoa, because the Stanford game, they clarified as well, you know, after that one missed assignment, they were able to stop the run. They were able to figure things out. They were able to make adjustments. That just didn't happen against Oregon State. So in that sense, I had stocked down on like the 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 trust factor in Orlando's defense being able to take care of it. Yeah, I think the Stanford game, they got beat, but they were in position. You know, one-on-one battles on the outside. The, the cornerbacks are there. It's not like guys are running wide open. But in this game... There were guys running wide open. There were blown coverages at times. Yeah. And there were also just, you know, there were rarely any times when the defensive linemen were in the backfield and able to try to make a play. USC didn't tackle well. You know, just the, the overall defensive effort wasn't there. And I think, you know, I give a little bit of credit to Todd Orlando for as much things as he did try. It's like, you know, you don't stick with the same thing. You, you know, tried a bunch of different things. But just nothing was working for USC. And I think it, it was a snowball thing. And I think that this team, and, and maybe it should be on stock down, is just they don't have the mental toughness yet. Yeah. And part of that yeah. is possibly because you have so many young guys. 
but they don't have the mental toughness to be able to bounce back from something. And, and it's interesting because of the way they were able to rally in games last year and why they're, they're not able to do it yet this year. And is that something that will progress this season or not? That's, that's a question. Um, but it, you know, once they start getting down and, and it's demoralizing when a team runs like that on you yeah. and that's part of it, you know, but can you make that one stop to change things? So they weren't able to do that. There were times when they had opportunities on third downs, they couldn't get off the field, third and 13, they give up, you know, a 13 yard pass to Ty John Lindsay and can't get off the field. Those type of things where you, you feel like, all right, we got them backed up for once. And you just can't get off the field still. So, um, you know, their edge containment was terrible in that game as well. I don't know who's to blame on that necessarily, if it's the outside linebacker slash, you know, defensive ends, or if there's someone supposed to be coming up to help out. But, you know, the jet sweep killed them over and over. I thought Oregon State made a great adjustment. And that was something you could see earlier in the game where they faked that motion and USC didn't really cover it. And they said, okay, if they stop us from what we're doing running straight ahead, then we'll, we'll try that out. And, you know, USC forced a punt. You know, they got the interception from Isaac Taylor Stewart. They forced a punt. They were up 14-7. If they go on that drive and go up 21-7, could have been a completely different game. But then Oregon State, after that punt, they said, okay, they've stopped us once. Now let's, let's try some different things. Let's, you know, let's force, the, force the, uh, um, the action on the edge. And USC had no answer. And you saw that in that one drive before halftime. Um, that they ran back and forth, you know, the their jet sweeps to the left, jet sweep to the right, jet sweep to the left, jet sweep to the right. You know, it was four or five times in that drive it felt like that they, they ran that and were able to run right down the field for a 92-yard touchdown drive. In that sense, I also had stock down on Drake Jackson. And now I don't, like you said, I don't know whose responsibility is whose, but he didn't get much playing time. In the second half, Juliana Falonico came in for him, and I got to talk to Drake after the game, and I said, what was the issue? Are, are you banged up or anything? And and he said no. He said it wasn't an injury issue. I think Dante Williams did say Drake Jackson is a little banged up, but like we said, Dante Williams' injury updates can't we, I don't know how what we interpret from those going forward. He, but. he also He's like, yeah, he's got dings and stuff, but he also kind of said – you know, he just wasn't getting the job done. Yeah, and that's what you could see. Like, that's what I saw on the rewatch. I was like, wow, it, he just, it wasn't his day on Saturday. And so overall, I had him on stock down. Yeah, he played the first drive of the second half, and then he played one snap the rest of the second half. So the final, what, five or six drives that Oregon State had? Now, some of those are quote unquote garbage time, but he played one snap the rest of the game. So that was, you know, I don't know if that was supposed to be a message from the coaching staff or what exactly it was. Um, he looked like he got demoralized at the time because he was getting thrown around by the tight ends and they were try- he was trying to do a lot of different things, trying to pass rush, trying to drop in coverage. Sometimes he was trying to st- uh, you know, stick the tight end and then go get the quarterback and he kind of get caught in between. It, yeah, it ended up being a not, not a very good game for Drake, Lund- or Drake Jackson, especially after they started attacking those edges more and more. Mm-hmm. And part of that, it, that's what you want to do. when you know, If there's an elite pass rusher, if you can force him into some inaction, where he's caught in the middle and you know in the middle, you know stuck in the middle without being able to make a decision. That's exactly what you want to do. If you want to make him think a little bit more instead of him just being screaming off the edge yeah. and beating your tackle. So yeah. uh, again, I thought Oregon State's game plan was terrific, and you know the adjustments that they did make throughout the game to continue to put the pressure on USC. Yeah, agreed. Chrissy T, I know you feel neglected when we go on a little run there. No, I got a lot done. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
I just say fifteen percent of my car insurance. I guess we're ranting. <laughs> it's over not. There. It's not time for fake corporate sponsors, but thank mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, I had tackling. Yeah. Um, I know the early PFF grades had them with twelve missed tackles. That might have been updated to fifty or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it just seemed like every freaking Oregon State play, they'd be bounced off a guy and they would be like extra like two yards or extra three or four yards and that just kept accumulating that's the difference between like a third and seven and a third and three and that's that's what it felt like every time they try to make a tackle they get an extra couple yards so tackling and i think orlando card called it heart-wrenching because they had been pretty good at tackling or they've been pretty consistent with that but just Saturday just reverted back to some of the problems we've seen yeah. in, in the past year. So I had stocked down on the tackling. It'd be interesting to see how different that game would be if USC did make those tackles. Because there were times where they were in the right place and just, you know, they either they made the tackle and, like you said, B.J. Baylor falls forward for two or three extra yards or that one play where he gets hit by Kanai Malga and Isaac Taylor-Stewart. It's a second and one or second something like that. And he falls forward for six yards. And it goes from, you know, potentially forcing a third and one, you know, crowd gets up type of thing to first down. They score a couple plays later. So it would be interesting to see how different that game would have played out if USC tackled better. But yeah, they definitely did not tackle better. I, to continue the defensive theme, I had do your job on, on stock down because there's too many times, and this was the case against Washington State early too, where guys are just trying to do too much. You know, if you're that edge rusher and your job is to get to the quarterback, go to the quarterback. But if your job is to hold that edge, you got to do that. You know, the the drive before halftime, the final drive before halftime from Oregon State, they're backed up to their eight yard line. The very first play, USC puts in their pass rush unit. You got, you know, you got um, Corey Foreman in there. You got Raylan and Raymond Scott in there as you know two more mobile linebackers to try to cover against the pass. They go with a read option. Three guys go to the running back and leave the edge wide open, and they pick up, I think, 15 yards, and you go from being on your eight and you're backed up in your end zone, and you know if you don't get anything on that play, if someone stays home, you get two yards, okay, you're probably handing the ball off again, and let's just go into halftime with a, with a lead um, type of thing, or I don't remember what the score was at the time, but it's it's a much different drive. But two guys go inside, both Foreman and, Ray, I mean, uh, and Raymond Scott, and because of that, it opens up a huge lane, and it, that starts their drive, and they get some momentum going from it. So just do your job. I think guys were trying to do too much. They start pressing, and that's been an issue with this defense a little bit. So can they get back to the basics of stop worrying about trying to make every play, just fulfill what your role is? And and that can be, you know, that's, that's trying for someone like a Corey Foreman or a Drake Jackson who wants to be a playmaker. Your playmakers need to be playmakers, but you also need guys to just do your job. Don't try to do too much every single time. Yeah, in that sense, I also had um, eye discipline. Mm-hmm. I feel like guys just got distracted easily or or bit on the eye candy. And that's kind of why it's it's do your job. If you just st- do your job, you won't get sucked in by the, the fake or whatnot. Chrissy D? I had Corey Foreman. Just I don't like putting individual guys, but obviously – Corey has come in with a ton of hype and expectations and even I put a lot of that on him just by you know one of my season-long predictions that he would be you know the freshman defensive player of the year I think he had a good shot at that but you know still waiting on that first sack still waiting on some sort of big place he's 
come close a couple times, but mm-hmm. he just hasn't finished it off. I know he's been banged up a little bit and practice see him got wraps and tape and probably goes through 500 rolls of tape per week but you know just haven't seen seen like super small flashes of it but just you know number one player in the in the country coming out of high school and that comes with a lofty expectations and I think people just expect have expected you know at this point in the season you know maybe a little bit more plays would be coming out of number zero at this point. And he's a guy that a couple times the pass rush is getting there, but that's when you need multiple guys. You know, if someone's pushing the pocket in the middle, then Foreman gets to there. You know, one of the, he got a hit on, um, you know, on the quarterback Chance Nolan in this game, and Nolan kind of moved up in the pocket and was able to get the ball away because there wasn't someone coming up the middle. So, you know, there, Corey Foreman is a guy that we have a lot of expectations for, and there's still a ton of potential there. But we're looking for that that first big play, and maybe if he gets that first big play, I think that maybe that le- lightens the load off his shoulders, and then he plays a little bit freer. So we'll see if that happens. But he, you know, he hasn't, you know, played up to the billing as the number one player in the country yet. Now, if he gets healthy, and I think Dante said this week that he's 100 percent or as close to as 100 percent as he's been, then I think that's a positive sign for him, and we'll see if he can, gets extra playing time, you know, going forward or not. I'd stock down on USC's wide receivers. I think that's something we've identified since spring. That chemistry is just not there. But also just making, not making catches in critical moments. That's something where you, as a USC fan, you expect USC wide receivers to do that. That's just what they do. You catch the ball. And that has been an issue this season, but it really showed itself on Saturday. I had Taj Washington also on it because he had three of those drops. I mean, one of them bounces off his chest and becomes an interception. You know, quarterbacks looking at it like, come on, dude, <laughs> you're messing up my stats here by not catching the ball one, but then, you know, giving it over and giving me that interception as well. Any quarterback will get mad at a receiver after that. But Keaton Slovis kept going to him. There was a throw right over the middle he doesn't catch. Um, and I thought Slovis did a great job on that. And hopefully I'll have a chance to break that down on film study of manipulating the defense and moving guys with his eyes and coming back to Washington and throws a bullet and just doesn't catch it. Uh, there was a play Washington had a chance to make a play on a third down that would have kept a drive alive and he doesn't catch it so you know he was probably the the worst person in in that category of you know drops in this game but Drake London had one Malcolm Epps had a chance at a play and it would have been a tough catch but you know those are the type catches that you know you expect a veteran guy like Malcolm Epps to, to be able to come in and make and that's something that they weren't necessarily helping out Keaton Slovis in and again like I mentioned earlier, there are times when there's routes being run and the throw is going to a different direction. You know, whether it's a there was a seam route to Malcolm Epps and he breaks over the middle a little bit at the end and makes it turns into a post a little, a little bit more while Slovis is throwing it right down the hash marks. And because of that, the throw ends up behind him. And people may look at it and be like, oh, what a terrible throw by Keaton Slovis. Well, if you're anticipating the guy to go straight up the seam, you know, it changes your throw and what you're throwing at. And just not being on that page is making it that much tougher for the offense because that was a third down play as well. And he was open. And, you know, if you know if the throw is there where he's at or if he's where the throw is at, either way, then USC converts that and continues that drive. So that's two drives right there. And then you throw in back-to-back false starts on a third and one that turns into a third and 11. And that's how the offense – sputters and you know struggles to put together drives and just stalls out because guys aren't making enough plays and there's small details that aren't being taken care of 
I think that goes back to the week of practice as well. Yeah. You said wide receivers, but you meant everyone but Drake London, right? Drake London had a drop. I'm not big on the whole jump on Drake for drops. <laughs> Look at the number of targets he's seeing. Yeah, You're no, going to have a higher number of drops if I throw it to you 100 times a game. I and he agree. still made the first down. I just think the level of talent that USC has had at wide receiver, there's an expectation. And it's I just, not being I met just, right I now. disagree in putting London in that. I mean, you can look at it that way, and that's a way that I you, am looking at that way. That's a way you lend towards mediocrity. You know, Drake London is a star. You expect your stars to make plays. How many drops did Michael Pittman have his entire career? Two? So, you know, he had a ton of targets his, his junior year as well, or senior year, whatever it was, his final year. So, you know, you can make excuses for guys, and I feel like that's that happens at times. And, and I don't want to say that Drake London is playing terrible or anything, but he needs some help as well. He needs some help. Drake London needs some help. But they have to step up and make plays themselves too. You know, you, you can't make excuses for everyone. And that's why my final stock down is accountability. Um, you know, Dante talked about coming in and, you know, if guys need to sit out a play or a quarter or a game or half, whatever it is, then to get the message across. But, you know, we saw against Washington State, penalty comes out, you're yanked out of the game. That wasn't the case this game. Suddenly it was, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, if you get two penalties, then you're yanked out. You know, Corlin Ford takes a second time. Liam Jimmins takes a second time. You know, Michael Trigg gets a personal foul or a block in the back on a, on a kickoff that goes out of the end zone in the opening kick, and it's kind of an omen. But he continues on the kickoff unit, and he continues. He's on the first drive, and I know that you, don't, you want to kind of separate special teams and offense, but if you're going to say that you're going to be accountable for these plays, then you've got to continue that. You can't just... Well, we did it for one game, and suddenly things are going to change. And that's the whole culture of the team and the things that they're trying to change. But you have to be you know, steadfast in it. So I think accountability, I had to stock down on it. I had two more, and I had stocked down on Dante Williams as a head coach candidate for USC. I think that's something that we got a lot after the Washington State game. And then I think this kind of took the, the thunder out of that just because it was a historic loss in the Coliseum, and I think fans were, were left with a bad taste in their mouth. So I think that definitely quieted those people who were, who were championing that. And I had uh, stock down for transparency. Obviously, um, college coaches around the country are not going to be super transparent about things, and Clay Hilton was kind of unique in that sense. Um, but, and I know I'm biased because I'm the media, but <laughs> I just think it's it's different. And like you mentioned at the top, Shotgun, it's it's a transition where we need to figure out, you know, can we really trust the updates we're getting? You know, we were told Jackson Dart was day-to-day. Uh, he's dealing with some things. That thing was that he was in surgery <laughs> at the time. So uh, just changes to how we do our jobs, for, or at least uh, how skeptical we are about things. But uh, yeah, stock down on transparency. And like I said, he was day-to-day. Many days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid point. Uh, I think we forgot on stock up, Chris, but Keeley Scoops. I mean, oh, dropping bombs over here. Um, but Wait, let him finish. But For him to ruin it. <laughs> he was being nice. and you. <laughs> I know. I'm you, saying he's going to ruin it somehow. But you sabotaged it. Just let him go. That's all I had. Go. Oh, okay. See? <laughs> Okay. I was going to say, but back to stock down, my we final can, one was, we can never have a moment, was linebackers. We? Oh, I actually had that too. I mean, just not making enough plays. You, that, in Todd Orlando's defense, he wants those linebackers to be able to get up there and make some plays. And, you know, Raylan Goforth had a good amount of tackles, but, you know, the, the group of linebackers in 
total, you know, and that includes the outside linebackers, the B backer position with Drake London. I mean, Drake Jackson, excuse me, that just not make enough plays in this game. Chris, you good? I had one more, but it's not that important. <laughs> what is it, Chris? <laughs> I had selling yourself because there was multiple big name recruits mm. in the house. Mm. That's yeah, a good one. You had two five star offensive linemen. Devon Campbell was there taking a second official visit. Uh, Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle from Washington, was down there. Uh, unofficial, so he paid his own way to get down here to see this game. And then you had, you know, a five-star caliber receiver and C.J. Williams, a Notre Dame commit, who was there in the house as well uh, with some some modern-day kids. And obviously, you fell flat on your face. So wasn't a great showing for the, for the multiple. They had a lot of uh, recruits down there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like I just mentioned, three big-time headliners out there. So... Not not a great showing for the, for that kind of audience you had there. A number of younger guys, some guys from Arizona, some guys from Colorado. So yeah, it was a good good turnout as far as the recruits there. Um, but the interesting thing is, having read some of the things that some of the recruits have said and talked to a couple guys, is they love the atmosphere, especially pregame. Um, so you know, if USC can turn around the product on the field. I think those guys are willing to buy in to to what's going on there. Just you know, it continues to be. Can you develop me? That's going to be the big question for for those recruits as well. All righty, let's move on to heard it on the sidelines, or should I say, heard it around the Coliseum? <laughs> Let me start since you mentioned C.J. Williams. You know, he was talking to some people in the stands, and you know, they were saying, "Oh, you look good in USC colors," because he was wearing, I think he was wearing a USC shirt, and he was like, "Nah." I like green. I like green. Nice. This isn't for me. Nice. So I don't think that sells very well for USC oh. there. But there were a good contingent of modern day players there as well. So you know maybe they convince him differently as the season progresses. But right now I don't see C.J. Williams flipping that commitment from Notre Dame. My heard it on the sideline is what I previewed. Heard it around the Coliseum. Made a little fan uh, USCFootball.com tailgate. That was super fun. Chris, are you mad? She's still in your still in your. I gave yeah, him the I, opportunity to go, I and he didn't that, take it. I had that on mine. I just want to see if you had the balls to do it. Still in front of me. <laughs> Look at that. She didn't really say anything about it's anything what? that was on that was said at the tailgate. First of all, could shut up late. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was in the fray before any of you guys. You Shotgun were. holding court like a freaking rock star, <laughs> and I had multiple people come up to tell me how much they enjoyed listening to me. Oh. How not to let you two dumbos bully me. That's, I mean, good for <laughs> Shout them. out to Gary V for telling me that. Um, I had multiple people tell me that I should be an official member on this podcast. If I had a dollar for every person that told me, I'd have like $5. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that never happened. Uh, what's the official status on that? This is not the time, Chris. <laughs> this is not the Why time. Why is it the time? Also, just thank you to everyone who said hi. I'm sorry that I'm super awkward. I'm just like, hi, and they just stare at people. I'm not very good at conversating, which is great. But I appreciate people saying hi. See, I thought how, was... see how they just deflect every time I bring it up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I thought it was great, uh, the amount of people that came out, uh, the questions that were being asked. You know, when we do these things, especially in the middle of a coach search, you say, who are they going to hire? Who are they going to hire? And, of course, we got some of those. Um, but then we could just point and say, Go talk to that guy over there. And thanks to big thanks to Brandon Sosna for stopping by yeah. USC's chief of staff. I said, go just go talk to him and ask him. We don't know. He has a better, much better idea. And I just wanted to shout out to Brian, who I had a nice long conversation with, who told me a funny story about 
how when he found out that Clay Hilton got fired, he was in the middle of class because he's a college student and he just walked out of the class. <laughs> the class was going and he was like, I got to go. That's amazing. I got to get out of here. That's and he amazing. left the class to to just process the news and kind of uh, tell people about it and kind of deal with it in his own way. So I thought that was pretty funny. Just like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. I, I this is an I important professor. I got to go. I got to go. Clay Hilton just got fired. I got to go. I See, also got a live take it or leave it. And I was told I couldn't TV it, which was hard. They they understood the pain that you guys go through because I was going like, wait, no, but, uh, and they were like, wow, this is difficult. That story reminds me of like March Madness when I was in college. I would just leave classes to go. I would see if there was a, oh, update, close game. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I'll come back in a bit. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a little different, Shotgun. Uh, whatever. A little different. Sports is important. Can uh, I just do my final take it or leave it? I yeah, wanted, take it or leave it. I, I wanted it. to mention on at the po- at the tailgate as well. Of course, I thought the questions were fantastic. Uh, people coming up to me and asking about different formation stuff. I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, you know, trying to you know what I've seen and you know just trying to parse out some knowledge into what I've seen and you know whether you want to take my opinion or not, that's up to you. But I thought it was great those type of questions and just everyone that came out was so supportive. We we really appreciate it, guys, that everyone came out and and showed up and, and showed out and had a good time. I think everyone enjoyed themselves. That's the the fun part about going to events like this is sometimes it feels like you're putting things out into the ether. Like you're just like talking and no one's hearing it. And then you like meet people who are like, I've seen everything. I watch everything. It's like, wow, like this actually. And especially when fans are so demoralized, it really means a lot for people to be like, Oh, I watch your stuff, you know? So thank you to everyone for doing that. Chris, I know you mentioned you have a final heard it. Yeah. I realize I have a unique thing where I get to walk through the fans leaving because you guys are already on the field, so you guys don't experience that, but I have to walk through the stands to get to the field. And I was walking through the Oregon State like section, and they were just like a little drunk and like <laughs> but I don't know if it was like the alcohol or just drunk off the wind. They were like very like not stunned, but like like they were soaking in this wind very, very much so. Someone was like, We did that shit. We did that shit. <laughs> and then there was this like hilarious drunk couple where he, I guess he brought his wife and they were like, she was disappointed because he thought this was the Rose Bowl. He was like, I also thought it was the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I thought what? that was funny. <laughs> what? How, how did you pick up on this? I was, because I have to literally walk, because no, no. I'm going down the stairs. But to did the you feet. hear this whole conversation? Yes, because we're, we're getting by each other going up the, the railways. <laughs> so I'm like right in it. I'm in conversations. And this like drunk guy was like, I guess he was trying to see if I was a U.S. because I think he saw my your badge. Yeah, true. and he thought I was like a USC fan, but he was like too drunk to actually say anything. And he was like, yeah, yeah. he was like trying to, he was like he was trying to talk smack to me, <laughs> but couldn't get any. Words but he couldn't out. get any words. And he just had this <laughs> this dumb look on his face, big smile, like he was gonna say like, yeah, yeah, USC what, USC what, or something like that. And I was just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, what? yeah, like. I, I don't know. He just, I think he was trying to process what he should say, but he couldn't find it. And I just walked right by him. Hmm. I was like, I got to go. I got to go do my job. Yeah. I had one from a similar time in the game. The final minute or so of the game, for whatever reason, Corey Foreman was over by himself working on his pass rush moves. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't, I don't know. You know, USC, uh, Oregon State kicked a field goal. And then there's a TV timeout. They're kicking off. 
Keaton Slovis gets the ball. He throws an interception on the first play. Defense goes out. They take a couple of knees. That entire stretch, he's just overworking on his pass rush moves by himself on the bench. So I don't know what to make of it, but I just thought it was interesting. And just watching it, I was like, I started to tweet it, and I was like, I don't, I don't even know what to say right now in this tweet. So I didn't even go with that. I took a little video of it, and but thought it was really interesting. That he was just off by himself doing his own thing. I just want to point out, if I was on the team, that's what I would do the whole game. I'd be <laughs> well, you're just senior wait, sack. Wait, waiting for my, my call. Your moment. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed like it was eight minutes left, and, hey, we're going to put all the subs in and get ready type of thing. He's like, all right, I get ready to get my moves on. But it's like he wasn't going back in the game, so I don't, I don't know. Like, first defensive series after the kickoff or something. Yeah. A little odd. A little odd. I don't know what to make of it again, but that's what, it, what I saw on the sidelines in this game. Alrighty, let's move on to some questions. First one is from JP, who said, Can the 2022 recruiting class be salvaged, with early signing day being December 15th and the uncertainty uncertainty of when the new coach will be announced? What's your prediction on USC's 22 recruiting class? Yeah, I think it could be salvaged. I think there's a feeling that USC has a huge opportunity to sort of land a big time name or a high caliber name or someone exciting to get energy back in this. And it's USC. I mean, they have whatever you have, they have everything uh, a recruit you want to offer them. I mean, it's about keeping kids uh, home. I think that's the big first step for the new head coach. Um, you know, it might, it may take a couple seasons to just to get to see that consistently, but I still think, you know, this, this 22 class could be pretty decent, not maybe a top 10 class, but certainly a top 25 class, depending on who you bring in. Cause like, you just obviously it's just going to be about the name that you bring in and like i said i think people and recruits and fans and parents are expecting a splash hire and i think that's all you need to get some momentum back in the class and you know finish with a top 25 class so i still think there's a uh, pretty good hope that this class can be end up being a, a decent class and usc is an attractive enough offer outside of what is happening right now on the field and who the head coach is that players will wait before they make a decision. Like, let me just wait and see who USC does hire. Like, I may even have my top school, and, you know, you may silently commit to him or something, but, like, you're not going to put it out there. I'm not going to sign anything. Let me wait to see what USC does. And then, you know, based on the hire, you might go, okay, I want to stick with the team that I thought was my favorite. Or you might say, let me get a real good look at USC and go back down for another unofficial or official visit or whatever it may be. So I think USC has that power right now. And I think that all the things that they've done, support staff-wise and all the stuff, you know, the boulevard stuff, that players are going to have that interest and say, before I make a decision, let me just wait and see where what USC ends up doing there. So I think that's a possibility there, too. And, you know, particularly if they do retain Dante in some form or fashion, he's got a lot of those relationships. And, you know, he's building a lot of those relationships with the local players, those younger players as well. I mean, they picked up a... 2024 commit and a 2025 commit on Saturday. I told Keeley during the game, it's like Dante's got to work on his PR though. You got to like hold off and tell them to announce on Monday or Tuesday. You can build a little bit more hype on those commitments because people kind of forget those commitments during the uh, the run of a game day. The tricky thing is the early signing period. Yeah, that makes it a little bit more yeah. tough. So you have to time that right. Now that obviously you could wait a little bit longer when February get some flips going mm-hmm. then, but now it's a little bit the the. The window is is shrunk. And that'll be interesting if USC looks to the NFL because will someone 
you know, will someone, they want someone that's in the playoffs or, you know, their season's continuing. Do you wait for that person? Can you announce them earlier? You know, those type of things. Be interesting how the timing plays out with this. We got a question from Esoteric Simpleton who said, any chance that Jackson Dart leaves on a two-year Mormon mission next summer? I don't think so. I mean, it's not implausible. He is Mormon, I do believe, so... But I don't. It's not something that was expected, at least. His star is risen. It's not the time to leap. M. M. Mosley said, "If the goal is to be one and zero each week, are the Trojans zero and one after last weekend?" Yep. Their goal. Like their goal is troll question. So. Their goal is to be one and zero each day. And Dante Williams said after the game, I believe he said, "We're zero and one on the day. We did not play well when they got out coached, got outplayed, and they were zero and one." Well, and even if it's a troll question, I think it's to, it's. At least good that Dante is acknowledging that. Like in his presser, he said, I got out coached. We didn't play well. And I know Helton said things like that, but at the point that he was saying that, his credibility was just not there. But for Dante Williams to say that in his post game presser, I thought was at least uh, a good step forward. And that's the thing with this team the players can progress. And I think there's a chance for a lot of development with those younger players. Dante Williams can potentially progress and develop as a head yeah. coach. You know, he's two games in. Yeah. He's going to get better at that as well as the season goes along, I think. We've got a question from All Day Trojans who said, are there any surprise head coach names that we haven't heard of yet that could be revealed soon? Are there any names we haven't heard yet? That's a bigger, better like question, yeah. I think, yeah. just because everyone's throwing out everything and it seems like agents are floating different names out there all the time, um, whether it be Anthony Lynn being thrown out a couple days ago. Just like I feel like... Almost every name is being thrown out there. Sam Pittman was thrown out like really early when it first happened. That felt like an agent thing. And Sam Pittman's doing pretty well right now in Arkansas. So, I mean, the only name I haven't heard is Nick Saban. That's the only name that I would really want. (laughs) You personally would want that. Me personally, because I want to ask him questions and have him go off on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're getting your reps in. Uh, We had an email from Alex who said, how awkward would it be if Coach Williams remains on staff after a new head coach is hired? Could keeping Coach Williams create divided loyalty between players and potentially undermine the new head coach's authority? We'll love your take on this. Fight on Alex from Chicago. And this is always a question with an interim coach, and it depends on the coach coming in. If they see him as a threat, then they may be like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, to divide the locker room, players going to be a, you know, are they a Dante guy? Are they a new guy? Um, you know, so I think that that is a concern and would be maybe the only reason why Dante is not retained on the staff. Because, again, if you can get him back and, you know, move him back to his cornerbacks position, if you're a new head coach, then you've got a great cornerbacks coach and you got one of the top recruiters in the nation. So why would a coach not want that? But, you know, if he feels threatened, that's always a thing because there's egos involved and all that stuff. But that is a concern when you have an interim coach that you that you think could potentially be retained. He said it all. He maybe a little, does. maybe a little co DC spot. Yeah, hmm. give him that experience. He's never been a coordinator, so I think. I mean, obviously before now, but so I think that would be a nice little enticing little bump for him to get that experience. We got one final question. It's an email from Geo and Whittier who said, what's good family feud fam. First off, love the show. You always manage to get a lull out of me with your takes and banter. It makes getting through the workday much easier. Well, thanks Geo. We appreciate you. Um, he obviously sounds like he listens to the podcast and knows us, but still he went ahead and had a hypothetical question with shotgun. 
please be patient about. He said, I was hoping you would indulge me in a thought experiment. Oh, no. I know. I warned you, Shotgun. <laughs> and an alternate 2019 timeline where Cliff Kingsbury wasn't offered the Cardinals job and did become USC's offensive coordinator. Do you think, given the same offensive personnel that USC has had in the past three seasons, that he would have had this offense in a much better place than Graham Harrell? Or do you think that the rot goes so deep that even Cliff couldn't have salvaged what has been a raging dumpster fire in the middle of a super fun site? Geo, in what year? So the basis of the question is, could Cliff Kingsbury salvage what is happening now would the offense be in a better spot at this point if cliff kingsbury is the coordinator instead of graham harrell i mean just like face value i think yes because i mean the cardinals are pretty i don't think they're like setting the world on fire but they're winning games in the nfl so obviously it helps when you have kyler murray as your freaking quarterback and deandre hopkins so i think they would be better i don't think they would be like top five offense of the nation level i think it'd be better that i guess that's what my answer is i mean he has more experience than graham harrell um but you know where they'd be at this point would cliff kingsbury still be around after one season would he be around after two seasons you're or, getting too deep into it now. so this is why he can't do hypotheticals exactly. um, his brain explodes would he have been able to get bryce young back into the class and then he has someone like kyler murray and then suddenly his the offense looks like Arizona. So that's Just say why yes and move on. <laughs> Graham Harrell has less experience than Cliff Kingsbury, so I would say that straight value, yes. I would agree. Well done, Shotgun. I know that was hard for you. We're proud of you. It's the best it's gonna get. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Alrighty, on that note, it is time to pass the torch to you, Chrissy T. It's time for some take it or leave it. I can't tell if you're yawning or screaming right now. Oh, I'm yawning. Okay. It looked like a scream of, of fear. Um, Yeah, this one's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> Are you going to preface? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, there's a bag. He's a, he has a, a garbage bag? bag? That's a trash bag. So. I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm yawning because not a lot of sleep during the season, obviously. But I had this very vivid dream about a fake real corporate sponsor. A little terrified that I'm now dreaming in fake corporate sponsorships. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little scary. So I had this dream and I texted Keely about it. This isn't a bit. I mean, it is a bit. The whole thing's a bit, but it's (laughs) but it's an actual thing that happened. I had this dream. He did did text me about this. I texted this dream like I had this fake corporate sponsorship. It's very stupid, guys. It's so stupid, and I and I don't even want to do it, but. (laughs) That's I just felt true. like I have to do it. You're right, Shaka. <laughs> so this is this is an actual dream I had. So if you guys would mind closing your eyes real quick. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you guys would indulge me? Okay. Oh, jeez. Um, I don't like this at all. Everyone's eyes closed? Yeah. Yes, okay. I don't. Here the bag's being opened. Let me just make sure it's... It's not a live animal or anything. It's just, I'm just, I hate this Look, so it's, much. It's not, it's not going to be worth it at all. <laughs> it's not going to be worth it at all. We're not going to get axe murdered, are we? Yeah, please don't. Let me, let me, I'm let me sorry open. for everyone who has to listen to this process. Okay, you guys can open your eyes. <laughs> what is <laughs> <this>? <laughs> Everyone just take it in. <laughs> what? Everyone, shotgun, describe what you're looking at right now. Yeah, please. Chris, on top of his headphones, has a small derby hat, it appears, um, with pictures of horses with 
cowboy hats and mini ponies. <laughs> taped on them. Black and taped white photos. onto this hat as well. Taped onto the hat. <laughs> so what would you call this? A horse hat. Ex- exactly. Horse hat. <laughs> horse hat. Yes. <laughs> Here's the dream. Out of, out of the tunnel, we're at the Orange Bowl. USC just won the national championship. Jackson Dart walks out wearing a horse hat. What? And then you slowly realize every player on the team is walking out wearing a horse hat in suits. Horse hat. <laughs> is this That's the, the dream. Is that the big corporate sponsor? Horse hat? Yes. So <laughs> thank you to today's fake corporate sponsor, Stetson. Mm. Uh, they do make a good, good hat. An iconic and historic brand for taking my frantic call at 3 a.m. in the morning to make this prototype and send it out ASAP. <laughs> Horse hat for all the big moments in your life. Graduations, weddings, bar mitzvahs, Kenny Chesney concerts, and national championships, apparently. Take the time to make a statement with your own horse hat and leave the house with yours. Stetson, we regret making this. <laughs> horse hat. So, so hold on. So just okay. Just to yeah. Before a we go, bit. before we get into that, so you, you guys want to unpack this a little bit? You had a dream. I had a dream that USC won the national championship and left the field with horse. No, 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 no. Hats. They came out of the locker room. Oh, you know, like when we're doing post game interviews. Oh, okay. everyone just has okay. a horse hat. You get okay. yeah. They came okay. Was obviously, it t- it's not. No, no, no. It's not taped. Oh, the horses were beautifully embroidered, oh. hand stitched. <laughs> okay, hand stitched silk. I, I, Obviously, I didn't have the time. Stetson did, Stetson did not have the time to do this, so mm. they sent me this. Okay. Where does it say national champion, though, on it? Is it on the brim, or is it... Is it on the horse? Like, where is Are it? you saying how I knew it was the national championship? Well, every you, you know, when merch. you win a national championship, everyone gets the big T-shirt that goes over your pads, and you get a hat. So it's got to say national championship. champions on it somewhere. Yeah, I don't really get that far into the thought. Oh. I mean, you can put, <laughs> you can put like, the record on it and, like, you know, like in the Letterman's yeah. Letterman jacket, you can have that stitched on. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you. And for everyone's the wearing suits. Okay. Everyone's wearing suits. What color was the hat? Because yours is tan right now. Yeah. With black and white photo. They only had this sort of color, but in the dream, it was like a a deep dark brown. Okay. Interesting. Alrighty. We'll and, the, and that was and that was just the thing that popped up. Horse hat. Horse hat. I like woke literally up thinking, horse I, hat. I, horse hat. So when I said horse hat, I I was yes, on the nose. Yes, you got yes. it. Yes. Perfect. I mean, it's in the name. <laughs> it's in the name. Okay. Well, now that we're sponsored, go for it. Jackson Dart will play before Ishmael Sopcher. Take it. <sighs> Got him off the bat, baby. I got a shotgun <sighs> off the bat, baby. <sighs> I just I want to be optimistic and leave it, saying that Sopcher comes back, because we know how long Dart is at minimum out. So I'm hoping Sopcher's back. By the bye week, that's you know that was your preseason prediction that you didn't think we'd see him until uh, the bye week. So I thought it would be much sooner, but he has not progressed. Hopefully, we see him at practice today and tomorrow. So you're, I'm leaving it leaving in it. in an optimistic fashion, hoping that he and will be back sooner. I'm taking it. Okay, I think Dart will we'll see Dart first. Probably so. It's oh. time for Rajon Davis to play. Take it. Get playing time. Yes, start. I'm not saying start, but get playing time, yes. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, I think that there's some form or fashion where he can be on the field. Um, 
you know, we haven't heard that he's struggling with the playbook necessarily or anything. And that's someone who Todd Orlando has mentioned throughout the training camps and stuff that they need to continue to develop and, and get some opportunities. So, yeah. Taj Washington is in a slump. Here's the thing. Have we seen him be consistent enough to say that this is a slump? Is that too harsh? I don't think it's too harsh. Because this is what we saw in fall camp. Well, he was a freshman All-American. So I think we True, have some... But, s- at, but s- at USC, I would say. Like, with my own eyes. We have a... Yeah, I mean, not of your own eyes. I'm going to take it. Um, I think that it should be also explained that I don't think they're setting him up for success completely. I think that there's type of routes that he can be running to get him the ball, get the ball in his hands. I mean, the and part of it is you have Gary Bryant already that you're running some of these screens too, but I think you got to get him some opportunities with a couple blockers in front of him yeah. to see what he can do because that's where he really excelled at Memphis was – Making a guy miss and then turning on the speed and you know being able to you know instead of getting behind a defense get by a defense and I don't think that they've given them many options many opportunities to do that so far. Just copy and paste that answer and put it for mine too. So you're <laughs> taking it. Whatever he said, yes. Yes. Okay. Michael Trigg will score before the bye week. I'll take it. Take it, especially if he continues getting more opportunities like he did last week. He's a red zone threat, and you know, uh, Keaton Slovis looked for him a couple times. You know, he looked for him at the goal line, basically on that uh, drive, and a ball that was low and away from the defense. Again, that's a throw that some people may look at and say, "Oh, Keaton Slovis had a terrible throw." And I look at it and go, "That's a well placed ball, keeping it away from the safety who's coming over, where you know maybe Trick can contort his body and catch it. No one else is going to be able to." This team will win eight games. This is tough. Yeah. It's horse hat, baby. I ain't, I ain't letting you off easy. <laughs> Valid point. Where's your horse hat? Big horsey hat. <laughs> Keely, oh. I'm going game by game in my head, so you go ahead and have your answer. Oh, goodness me. She's going to teeve it. Uh, but you can't really teeth this answer. Ah, oh man. Ah, oh man. I'll do a cop out like what Shotgun did with Ishmael and Dart. I'm going ta- I'm to ha- have an optimistic take it. I think that's where I'm at as well. The big concern is the middle of the defense, the nose tackle and linebackers. Is there progression there? Can they find a way to negate what is a weakness for them right now? Because they're going to face rushing attacks starting with this weekend. Colorado can't really throw the ball. They're going to try to run the ball. You know, Everyone in the Pac-12 South is going to want to try to run the ball. Arizona State is going to want to try to run the ball with their running backs. UCLA, Utah is starting to run the ball a little bit more. So... Can they stop the run up the middle, um, or does this become a common theme over and over? Because you know the two teams that have gotten in traditional twelve personnel with a single back, two tight ends. Those are the two teams that have beaten up on USC. So we'll see if if they make can find some ways to make some adjustments and you know negate what is a weakness right now. For me, I have no Geiger counter as to the standard of play of this team. Like, I feel like they can be, they can play up to their potential. They can play down. They can be everywhere in between. And we haven't seen enough consistency in games where you go, this is where they will normally come out on a Saturday and this is what's going to happen. I like, I keep getting asked for game predictions and I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get this from from this team because you could see both things. And we have week to week. Yeah, honestly, I don't know where the baseline is. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know what is this 
you know, what is the potential of this team? Are there just areas of deficiency that they're not going to be able to mask in that in the middle of defense primarily? Or is it something they do get better at? And some of those young guys come along, Jamar Sakona, Kobe Pepe when he gets healthy, Ishmael Sopcher comes back and provides a bigger body. You know, if if that's the case, then yeah, this team can definitely win eight games and could potentially go on a run. But if that is just an area where they're just going to struggle with all year, which, you know, similar to some of those UCLA teams the last couple of years that just couldn't stop anyone on defense at all, and they had to try to outscore people, like, does that become USC this year? If they can't stop the run, that may be the case. Yeah. Well, you guys really uh, went in there. It's a tough one. It is. All right, the final one. Drake London is better than Michael Pittman, Tyler Vons, and Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to take it. Oh. I mean, not all of them combined. You Wait, wait. You weren't <laughs> saying combined, right? No. Okay. I don't know. Is he the best of the bunch? I think so, because you can move him inside, outside. He's showing that he can go up and make plays. He's just a mismatch at all times. Um, so... He's making all the contested catches. The athleticism from the basketball background makes him really tough. And I'm going to take it as long as he can clean up the drops. That's the the one area where he needs to improve on, which is saying something because he's excelling in every other area right now. But pound for pound, you would say Amon Ra. Yeah. That's why I didn't say pound for pound. <laughs> I love me some Amon Ra. Yeah. And it's crazy that that offense had all four of those guys at the same time at one point. The UCLA game. And that's why all, say the same thing. That's why all four of them had 100 yards. Oh. And that UCLA defense I just talked about, they couldn't stop anybody. Oh, horse that fell. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's it. So thank you to Stetson for sending this beautifully handcrafted horse hat. Yeah. I love how you forgot a horse hat. Yeah. It's on my head. Yep. Let's run through some fun ones real quick. A fish McMuffin. Ew. Leave that. Leave. Interesting. I thought shotgun would be a little bit more. Hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I really eat seafood. <laughs> well, that that squashed that one. Yep. Uh, Chris Pratt as a Mario. Is he? Is that a thing? He's voicing yes. Mario. How does he? Uh, you don't watch anything, so. Nope. I'm gonna leave it. I'm a big Chris Pratt fan, but I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna give it a chance, but I'm leaving it. <laughs> Sounds like a teeve. It does sound like a teeve. But he's leaving it. But I'm, I'm hoping for positive things, but... You're uh, so positive in this episode. Like, why not an Italian? <laughs> Mario and Luigi are Italian. Yeah. You're Italian? I'm not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All I heard was Italian me. No. <laughs> no. It's not what happened. <laughs> okay, and finally, don't have a lot of fun ones, but... No. It's not a fun week. Uh, r- it's true. The Ratchet King himself, uh, <laughs> DJ Mustard... His studio, official studio rules were posted online for when he you go into a studio. What has he produced? Just give me a quick refresher before I decide this. Mustard on the beat? Oh, okay. Sorry. Hey, we need to educate for people <laughs> okay. like me who forget. Anyway, so I, t- I took out a small sample of three of these rules that I think we could adopt for this studio. Oh, no. So I would just want you to take it or leave it. These potential rules for the Family Feud podcast studio time session. Okay. I eliminate the first one, which is don't come in here if you ugly as f- None of us would get in. <laughs> okay. Anyway, first rule: no small talk. Come to work. I take that. I don't like talking to you people. <laughs> take it. 
Are you just trying to sort of fight, Chris? Uh, let me let me let me handle this. <laughs> High vibes only. No negative. Take it. My editing so painful. Take it. And finally, think before you say dumb. Sh- my security is armed and will drag your ass out of here. Take that. Think of the the. I'll leave it because when we get great clips from Keeley, then excuse oh. you. <laughs> See, and you'd be shot on sight right there. That's what would happen. Boom. What, what did getting shot come into this? They said his, drag you outside. His guards are armed. He said drag you outside. Said, oh, yeah, no one said anything about getting shot. Okay. No one said anything about getting they shot. Didn't baby girl. Specify what they do outside. Baby girl, no one said anything about getting shot. <laughs> You're already taken into the next level. All right, well. We'll Shoot that man! Shoot him! Implement those those for the studio time okay. next week. So okay, high vibes only, guys. Okay, sounds good. Is there an and one? I know we forgot it last week. You didn't. You never did the thing. You never oh. blew the whistle. No one blew the whistle. So do you have one prepared? I always have n ones. I store oh, those. N1. I store those N1. little things up. N one. <laughs> no, you gotta do it for real. N one. There you go. I don't know. I hate it every time. You can be an animal. For one day. We get so many animal questions. <laughs> have we done an animal one? I feel like we have. Sorry, continue. You can experience the life of one animal for one day. What animal are you choosing? A cheetah. Which is the one that goes really fast. A cheetah. Oh my goodness. A cheetah. I want to go really fast. Yeah, for six second spurts. And yeah, you, you, done. you have a very... More than I win- can do right now. <laughs> True. I mean... Doesn't everyone kind of go to a, immediately go towards big cat of some sort? Um, yeah, so be different. Being a predator. Well, also just a giraffe. That neck action is just so fun. <laughs> I never thought of it like that, that neck action. Yeah, they get in fights with their necks. It's intense. So you want to do that? Sure. For one day. I'd like to see you and Shotgun swing those necks <laughs> out on the Sahara. <laughs> I mean, bison don't live a bad life. You just roam. And you're giant. No one messes with you. I would like to be Ralphie, just so I can f those nerds up. <laughs> like Colorado, yeah, run the, Ralphie. Like, like the yeah, the people who carry him. I want to. I want to make him go viral, baby. <laughs> I want to drag. drag I want to drag him. Wow. I think okay. a wolf would be good as well. A wolf, yeah. You'd be a lone pack wolf, wouldn't you? Like Yellowstone, the the wolves mm-hmm. that are in Yellowstone. Huh. That's a good answer. I was about to make you howl for us, but you would never do that. So he's got the he's got the gray mane. He does. <laughs> Very. <laughs> would you want to be alone, or would you be a pack leader to like thirty wolves? Oh no. I'm tired of this. Oh. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. <laughs> I think you definitely want to be a pack leader because. If you're a lone wolf, you have to do everything yourself. <laughs> the laziness comes through. <laughs> or would just be a super lazy wolf. I mean, I feel like I'm a pack leader over here. It's only one day. Here we go. <laughs> what? You don't think so? Oh, here we go. Ooh, challenger for pack lead. <laughs> challenger for alpha status. Are we? Are we do like it. neck neck? No, wolf, wolves right fight. <laughs> wolves straight up bite and claw. Okay, or you? You're the wolf. You're the giraffe. That's oh, how goodness. you fight. I'll just kick him. Bam. Goodbye. Yeah, wolves, That'd be an interesting fight. Wolves, I'm gonna need a pack to take down a giraffe. Good. Can't wolves kill by taking out the neck? You couldn't reach. To, they have, have to, to stand leap. on each other. 
It'd be an issue, which is good. It I would like be an it. issue. Yeah. But your underbelly's so exposed. <laughs> I'll run. I'll kick him. Something. Something will happen. I think it'd be an interesting fight. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. I like fight. how you're just creating animal fights. <laughs> I, I just wanted to Let's see what animals. A, that was the, the basis. I want to see what. I just want to see what animals you would choose, and I think you guys fight. Let's take a North American animal and place it against an African animal and see which one comes out on top. Right. People watch that on pay per view. Yeah, that's like Pac-12 versus SEC. Oh. oh. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. For that. For that reason. For that matter, someone's mascot should be the giraffes. That'd be fun. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? Chris and I heard it to Colorado. Boulder. Speaking of Ralphie. I just want to see Ralphie run. She said it's not always guaranteed. Yeah, because so Shaka I'm, didn't see it last time. I'm so disappointed. That I'm, I'm hoping I don't live in the that moment with like you. I, I'm i not going to be disappointed if I don't see Ralphie run. Not being there this time because it's like the it's the new Ralphie. It's a very small version. Uh, it's not quite the same as the... As someone who is a, a proponent Ralphie. of small livestock <laughs> i'm about it you know of course you are That's i think there's i think there's a, a turnover traveler somewhere on this hat i think there is um i think it's going to be interesting this week to see how usc bounces back uh you know after the stanford loss or so much change happened that week with clay helton being fired that you can easily rally go to washington state and win how do they bounce back from just being demoralized? Like this loss was so much more demoralizing, I think, than the Stanford game, just because they just never could stop. And it wasn't just jump balls and they were getting beat on the outside. It was the entire defense couldn't find a way to you know stop the run. So I'm curious to see how they bounce back, what the energy is like the next couple of days when we see them at practice, and how they respond. You know, can they? You know, again, this was the same thing I said after that Stanford game. Can you rally together as a unit, us against the world style, and start progressing and start making some moves that, you know, push USC towards being the team they're capable of? And, you know, that that's it's going to be an interesting week in, in that regard, too. So, you know, just like take a full circle. Last week was interesting. This week will be interesting. Every week will be interesting because it's USC and you never yep. know what's going to happen. Yep, yep, yep. Well done. Well done, Shadi. I was like lost in what you were saying and looked up and forgot that Chris was wearing a hat with horses taped on it. So <laughs> Otherwise known as a horse shotgun? Hat. Horse hat. Horse hat. All righty. Let's go wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.